This is Steve Harvey, hoping your flight on Emirates today is going well. Whether by chance or design, you've discovered the Emirates Litfest channel, where we're about to meet author Joe Hill. Joe lives just north of Boston in the USA and recently took his first ever flight on Emirates to make his first ever visit to Dubai to attend the Emirates Festival of Literature. Joe's here to promote his new book of four short stories entitled Strange Weather. Prior to this, Joe has published four full-length novels, Heart-Shaped Box, Horns, Nosferatu, and The Fireman. So, Joe, welcome to Dubai. Let's get straight to it. Tell us about this new venture, your new novel, Strange Weather. So, Strange Weather is a collection of four short novels. I love the short novel format. You know, there's nothing wrong with a long book, uh, a book that's the size of Game of Thrones. I love that. I love to read, you know, something that's a thousand pages and you can live in a, you know, an imaginary world for a month and a half. But there's something to be said for stories that are, you know, all killer and no filler. You know, something that just something that just gets straight to it and tears along. And, and I love when a story feels like, you know, a car with the gas pedal mashed to the floor running towards a cliff as fast as possible. Um, and that's what I tried to do with the four stories in Strange Weather is, is run them hard and not waste a word. Where does the title of the book come from, Strange Weather? So there are these four stories and each of them is very different from the other. The first story, Snapshot, is about a wicked man who has a uh, an instant camera that steals memories. And the second story is about gun violence in America. The third story, Aloft, is about a man who goes on a first skydiving experience to impress a girl. And he winds up stranded like Robinson Crusoe on a s impossibly solid cloud 10,000 feet above sea level and with no way to get down. It's a castaway story only in the sky. And then the final story in the collection, Rain, is a, is a climate change story. It's about what would happen if the climate changed and the sky started to rain nails instead of water. So they're each very different tales. And yet they do have some underlying connecting threads. And one of them is the idea of, you know, a human life. Humans are just these tiny little specks on an enormous planet. And we are all pulled this way and that by vast invisible forces that, you know, we're only vaguely aware of forces like history and culture and the environment. And to me, that's sort of the emotional weather of our lives, the spiritual weather of our lives. And so the one of the connecting threads is, you know, being caught up in these enormous weather systems of the impossible or these enormous weather systems of history. And, and how do you survive? How do you, you know, what kind of shelter do you seek against those massive forces that dwarf us all. When you came to write these, did you have the ideas in your mind for a long time? Uh, They've been gestating there for a period of time, or did you start off with a clean white sheet of paper and say, right, today I'm going to write a short story. Now, what shall I write about? Well, the stories developed over a period of about four years, and each of them was sort of a vacation from bigger pieces of work. So the first story, Snapshot, was written while I was on tour for my third novel, Nosferatu. Nosferatu is the story of a car that runs on human souls instead of gasoline. It's a very big book. It was one of these George R. R. Martin, you know, Ken Follett-sized tomes. And when I went on tour, I had my phone in my pocket like everyone else. And I realized how sick I was of the hold it had on me, you know, constantly, constantly picking it up to look at it. And I thought I have to do something else. And so I, I bought a notebook in a drugstore and 
started writing. And I wound up on over the course of the tour writing snapshot instead of looking at my telephone. So and it came out it was it was an exactly tour size story. I had a two week tour and it took me two weeks to write the first draft. Each of the stories in Strange Weather has, I won't go into all of them, but has a sort of similar, you know, origin in that that I had finished a large project or I was, you know, uh, traveling and I wanted to do something that would be creative, that would keep my craft sharp. And I wound up writing these stories that are that hover right between being the length of a short story and the length of a novel. You mentioned that you wrote them in a notebook. That surprises me because, you know, you're you're the generation which grew up with... The computer uh, generation, computer digital generation, generation, generation X, exactly. MTV generation. Indeed. I would have thought you'd be dictating them to Siri or... <laughs> right. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually written almost everything longhand uh, for about uh, seven years now. Why? When you've got a computer and you can input the text straight away. Uh, you know... Um, the technology doesn't always isn't always to your advantage. One thing about a notebook is it will it will never ping with a text message. The one it will never make a blooping noise at you because you have an email. And so much of managing to write a story is about eliminating distraction. I also listen to music on a record player. I'm not trying to be a hipster, but you know, there's a difference between listening to something on vinyl and listening to something on a telephone. And the difference is that the telephone is a two-way street. It can demand your attention. It doesn't just provide background noise or music or, you know, it wants you to pay attention to it. Um, but a record player, you can just put the record on and go to work. So I'm always looking for ways to eliminate distraction and, and the notebook is one tool for doing that. Um, you know, the other thing is, is when you write something in a notebook, it's really, you're really doing a sketch of the book or the short story to come. And that's very freeing, you know, it, it removes the, any sort of artificial pressure to get it perfect the first time out. You know, you're really just, you're, you're roughing something out just for you. No one else is ever going to look in that notebook except you. So who's the poor soul that has to read your writing and enter it all as text? Yeah, right. So who transcribes the notebook? I do. You do? I transcribe the notebook. Really? So, so, and that's my second draft. That so, surprises me even more. Well, but but it's it's such a crucial part of the process and such a satisfying one. So I've got the notebook open on my left and the computer running in front of me and I begin to write, copying sentence by sentence, changing things as I go, trying to find the music in each sentence and trying to find the music in each scene. And oftentimes you discover a scene's not working, so you invent something new, or you find there's some material missing, so you have to create a new scene to, to fill what's not there. Um, sometimes they're perfect. Sometimes the scenes are just right in the notebook and it's, it's a matter of mere copying. But mostly you're reinventing as you go. You're reimagining the story. So the second draft is a complete, everything about the story has been rethought. And I think that's very important. And I think that's not done as much as it should be done by a lot of modern writers that often a writer would do the first draft on the computer and then the second draft, the third draft, the fourth draft, they're cutting and pasting, uh, they're editing on the screen. And uh, I I think that that's a, a, a very sort of sloppy, incomplete way to edit. That you really need to challenge yourself to do the whole book again from scratch. That's the only way to explore all its possibilities. Are you a very disciplined writer? Do you get up crack of dawn and well, get straight into it? Well, I'm, I don't know that I would call myself all that disciplined. I've certainly, you know, uh, Elmore Leonard, the great American crime writer, when he was starting out, he had a job in advertising, I think it was, uh, and he did his writing in the morning by necessity. He set the alarm for five 
and he would write his first 250 words before he'd allow himself to make a cup of coffee. So, and, but he did that because if he didn't write before he went to work, he wouldn't write at all. I've been lucky enough for a few years now to be able to write full time. And generally when I get up in the morning, I get my kid to school and I'll make a cup of tea and uh, a little light breakfast and sit there and read a chapter or two of whatever I'm reading. And I might not putter off to work until about 10 a.m. even. And then and then what I do is I try to get 1,500 words longhand. And I'll, I'll do that for as long as it takes. Sometimes in an hour and a half, I have all my writing done if it's going really well. Other times, uh, I might not finish until three and I won't eat lunch until I'm done. So that's sort of the reward. For the incentive. Yeah, right. That's the incentive to, that's the incentive to finish is knowing I'm not going to eat until I finish. Most of the workday, everything else is just chores. I mean, after lunch, I may be doing emails. I may do some interviews. Uh, you know, who knows what I might be up to. There are a lot of, you know, uh, random sort of professional obligations that soak up time. But all that can wait until the afternoon and doesn't feel as central as the 1,500 words getting the new material written. Changing the subject, you're here in Dubai. It's first time at the Emirates Festival of Literature. I hope it's going well. I hope you had a good flight over on Emirates. Now, I'm interested to know what your impressions were of this region before you came here. And has this visit changed your impressions at all in the few days you've been here? Well, I think anyone who flies Emirates knows what an extraordinary airline it is. And, and uh, you know, it's amazing. Amazing flight over. Actually, it was a. It's I think it was a twelve-hour flight over. It was one of the best night of sleep I had all year. Um, you know, I've been in Dubai long enough to discover how little I know about Dubai and how much there is to see. I took a walking tour where I got to try local cuisine, and you know, ate enough to last me for a week, and uh, that was tremendous. You know, a tremendous sampling of. You know, I felt like I was getting three different continents worth of flavors, so that was tremendous. And you know, it's been beautiful and exciting to explore. The Emirates uh, Literary Literary Festival is uh, a wonderful time. And I'm here as a writer, but I'm also here as a fan. You know, there are a number of writers uh, present that I love and whose work I admire. And so I've had a chance to see them and hear them speak and get some books signed. And I've really, you know, I've thought for years that my reading is more important to me than my writing. That if I had to choose between a career as a writer or a life as a reader, I'd always pick a life as a reader. And so as a reader, the festival has been an extraordinary experience and one I hope I get to do again. We'd love to see you back here again, Joe. That would be yeah. wonderful. This time next year with a new book, maybe. Are you working on a new one now? Always. Always. The, yeah, better. You have to, you, you know, uh, I always feel like with, as, as a, in my career as a writer, I always feel a little bit like, in the while in the Roadrunner cartoons, the Roadrunner runs right off a cliff, and as long as he keeps running, he won't fall. You know, and that's kind of how I feel as a writer. As long as I keep running, I won't fall. You know, so I've got another book going, and hopefully something out in the next year. Terrific! Nice to meet you, and uh, thanks for dropping by. Such a pleasure talking to you.